Hello and welcome to Accounting Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture we will be discussing monetary policy. At the end of this we will be able to explain how mon monetary policy works, describe the tools of monetary policy, and explain the importance of a central bank to monetary policy. Let's first start off with the definition of monetary policy, which is a policy of influencing the economy through changes in the banking system's reserves. These changes affect the money supply, credit availability, and interest rates within the economy. As opposed to fiscal policy, fiscal policy is controlled by the government directly. Monetary policy, the policy we will be focusing on here, is controlled by the U.S. Central Bank, otherwise known as the Federal Reserve or the Fed. So the monetary policy works through influence on credit conditions, interest rates, and the economy. We will get into more detail about how that works, but for now we want to take a look at what the effect is for monetary policy. Why are we going to do it? We have expansionary monetary policy, and the goal there is to shift aggregate demand curve to the right. And if we look at the contractory monetary policy, the goal there is to shift the aggregate demand to the left. Why would we want to do this? Remember what we're saying here is that in the short run, we have an area where we're not producing at potential. We're not at the optimal position. And therefore, within the short run, we're going to take action in order to put us back into potential. For example, if we have a recessionary gap, that means that what we're producing at an output lower than what our optimal output would be. And therefore, within the short run, if we can shift the demand to the right, having expansionary monetary policy, shifting the demand to the right, putting us back to where we should be in terms of output, that would be the goal. If, if, on the other hand, we have an inflationary gap, meaning the economy is overheating in that case, we're actually producing above what we should be producing for whatever reason. Remember, we can't do that forever. We can't do that for a long period of time. Therefore, to fix that, we want to have a contractory monetary policy shifting aggregate demand to the left, bringing us back to what our potential output should be. Let's break out how that would happen in a bit more detail. We're going to say that if we have expansionary monetary policy, if we put in monetary policy that is expansionary, it's a policy that increases the money supply. So we're going to have the money supply is going to increase. What's that going to do to interest rates? Well, if there's more money supply out there, then the interest rates are going to decrease. If interest rates decrease, that means that people are tending to take more loans out at the lower interest rates. So people are more willing to take loans out and when they take out the loans, they're going to take those loans and invest. So investment's going to increase. Investment is a part of GDP. It's a part of total output. Therefore, since investment is going up from these loans due to the fact of the in decreased interest rates, total output will then be increasing. That's what's going to happen with expansionary policy. That's the idea of expansionary policy. In terms of contractory monetary policy, if we're contractionary monetary policy, that's going to be policy that decreases the money supply. So now we're actually reducing the money supply in the economy. What's that going to do to increase uh, interest rates? Interest rates are going to go up because there's less money out there to loan. Interest rates increase. That means people are going to put less money into investments. They're going to do less investments within businesses because they can't get the loan because the interest rates are going to be higher. Investments being part of GDP, total output, that means if investments go down, then total output, total GDP is going to go down. How does the central bank or the Federal Reserve fit into this picture? 
The ability to create money gives the central bank the power to control the, the monetary policy. So the central bank is basically going to be the banker's bank, responsible for managing the economy's money supply. The central bank is the U.S. Federal Reserve in the case of the U.S. If the commercial banks need to borrow money, so a bank needs to borrow money, they can go to the central bank. They can go to the Federal Reserve, borrow money from the Fed. If there's a financial panic and run on banks, the central bank is there to make a loan. So how is the Federal Reserve going to be structured, we might ask. The Federal Reserve is designed to be a bit removed from politics. So we don't actually vote for members of the Federal Reserve. They're often appointed by, say, the president. And the idea of that is to take them a step away from the political process so they can uh, make the decisions that are harder within a political atmosphere, such as contracting the money supply which is not usually something uh, that is going to be politically popular to do. The Fed consists of the Board of Governors. That's going to have seven members appointed by the President and confirmed by the Senate. The Board of Governments is going to oversee the regional uh, reserve banks and branches. There's going to be 12 of those. There's 12 regional Federal Reserve Banks and 25 branches. Major decisions will be made by the Federal Open Market Committee. All 12 regional bank presidents can speak at the Federal Open Market Committee, and this is a place where the press and business follow very closely in order to get some idea of what is going to happen at these meetings and what the policies are going to be. Responsibilities of the Fed. The Fed conducts monetary policy, including the supply of money and credit in the economy. The Fed supervises and regulates financial institutions. The Fed is a lender of last resort to financial institutions. It provides banking services to the U.S. government. It issues coins and currency and provides financial services to commercial banks. Let's introduce some more tools with relation to monetary policy by the Fed. The Fed influences the amount of money in the economy by controlling the monetary base. Monetary base, what is that? Monetary base includes the cash, the cash in the vault of the bank, deposits of the Fed, and currency in circulation. That's going to be the complete monetary base, the, the total money that we're saying is out there. Monetary policy affects the amount of reserve in the banking system. So reserves are vault cash or deposits at the Fed. Reserves then are basically what the bank has on hand. So the Fed, by adjusting the reserves, can adjust interest rates, and that means that the reserves and interest rates are going to be inversely related. If one goes up, the other goes down, and vice versa. Main way that the Fed uses monetary policy is through open market operations. Open market operations being the most used tool that is gone to by the Fed for monetary policy. Open market operations are... The Fed's buying and selling treasury bills and treasury bonds. In short, to expand the money supply, the Fed will buy bonds. To contract the money supply, the Fed will sell bonds. Let's look a, a bit more in-depth into those two practices. Let's first look at the open market practice of purchasing bonds. Let's say we're the Fed and we're going into the market and we are purchasing bonds. What's going to be the effect? When the Fed buys bonds, they're putting more money into the market. You can imagine them buying them with money. They're really buying them with an IOU, but either way, if they're purchasing bonds, they're purchasing them with an IOU or money that is then going into the market. So the market now then has more money. What's going to happen if the market has more money? That means that the interest rates are going to go down. We're going to reduce the interest rates. In other words, if the Fed buys bonds, bank reserves are going to increase. The amount of reserves within the bank will go up. When bank reserves go up, the bank is more willing to loan out some of those excess reserves, and that means the money supply within the market will then be increased. When would we do that? 
when we had a recessionary gap. We have a recessionary gap. The idea is that we want to increase basically the money supply that will shift out the demand. On the opposite side, we could have an open market sale, which is a contractionary monetary policy that tends to uh, raise interest rates and lower income. How would this work? Well, the Fed would then sell the bonds. And now they're selling the bonds that they have. They're selling them for currency or the IRUs, meaning the currency is now going from the market back to the Fed, taking it out of the market at that point. Less money in the market means that the interest rates will generally go up, means that less investment will happen, and that will then contract the market. Or we can also think of it as the reserves are reduced within the banks. We have reduced reserves, less money for the banks to then loan out. Less lending means that there's going to be less investments and that's going to contract the market. When would we do that? When would we do that in terms of a monetary policy if we're overheating, if we're overproducing, we're producing outside what we believe is the optimal, the potential production can't do that forever. Therefore, we would have this retractionary monetary policy. Reserve requirement is going to be the amount of reserves that the Fed is going to require a bank to have. So if we think about the way that banks earn money, what's going to happen is they're going to have the money on hand and they're, of course, going to loan out that money for interest. So the bank has an incentive to have fairly low reserves because what they're trying to do is, is cover any anybody uh, that's going to draw out money. But at the same time, of course, they want to, in, they want to invest that money into the market because that's how they make money through interest they're going to get interest on the investments the fed will set a minimum reserve amount and oftentimes the banks will just basically say that's going to be the reserve amount they'll basically follow the reserve amount from the bank now there's been times when that has not been the case if there's a recession if there's problems in the market the bank may have reserves that are going to be greater possibly than what the minimum set by the fed is and that of course has an effect on how effective monetary policy is going to be because the uh, tools of the Fed may not affect the reserves in the same way. Other tools of the Fed include the fact that the Fed can directly add to the bank's reserves. The Fed can change the interest rate it pays banks on their reserves. So the, the interest rates for the reserves that the banks have, the Fed can actually adjust that interest rate. And the Fed can change the Fed funds rate, the rate at which banks borrow the excess reserves from other banks at. When banks monitor the reserves that they have, if they come to the conclusion that they have re less reserves than they need, they could borrow from the Fed. The discount rate is the interest rate that the Fed charges on these types of loans. So they have control of the discount rate as well. And of course, if they increase that discount rate, the rate at which banks could borrow directly from the, from the Fed, then it's going to be more expensive for the banks to borrow and that could decrease the money supply. On the other hand, a decrease in the discount rate makes it less expensive for banks to borrow from the Fed, and that could increase the money supply. Banks may have a surplus of reserves, and when banks have a surplus of these reserves, they could loan the surplus to each other. In other words, if one bank has a surplus and the other bank has a shortage, then one bank could loan to the other bank. Uh, Fed funds are loans of excess reserve banks make to each other. Fed funds rate is the interest rate banks charge each other for those Fed funds. That Fed funds rate, the rate at which banks charge interest to each other, is an important factor because that's one of the main factors that the Fed uses to try to determine whether what the policies they are implementing are having the desired effect. We've talked about this in theory. It, it sounds great that if there's a gap, if there's a recessionary gap or an inflationary gap, we can use these tools in order to adjust demand. It's a lot harder to see whether that, that is actually working 
and one of the tools in order to see whether the policies are doing what the policies are supposed to do is to look at the Fed funds rate. If the Fed funds rate is above the Fed's target range, it buys bonds to increase reserves and lower the Fed funds rate. If the Fed funds rate is below the Fed's target range, then it sells bonds to, de to decrease reserves and raise the Fed's fund rates as a result. The ultimate goal of the Fed, the, the end goal, is to have stable interest and have low unemployment. So some of the ultimate goals that the Fed is geared toward achieving are stable prices, sustainable growth, uh, acceptable employment, and modest interest rate, meaning interest rates that go up enough to, to have enough money supply within the market. In order to do that, remember the Fed tools are going to have the open market operations, the discount rate, rate, and the reserve requirement. And they will then monitor the operating target, which is going to be the Fed, uh, the Fed funds rate in order to, and then they're going to also be monitoring their intermediate targets, intermediate targets being consumer confidence is going to be very important to the Fed. They want to monitor that intermediate target in addition to their ultimate goals. The stock prices are going to be an intermediate target or an indicator in many ways. And interest rate spreads, housing starts, these are all going to be things that are going to be monitored as intermediate targets in order to finally hit the major or ultimate goal, the ultimate goal being those stable prices, uh, uh, stable growth, and a moderate interest rate, low unemployment being the ultimate goals of the Fed. It's also important to note that the Fed does have control over interest rates, but it has much more control over short-term interest rates than the long-term interest rates. And therefore, we need to see the correlation, whether the short-term interest rates are correlating to the long-term interest rates. A yield curve is the curve that shows the relationship between the interest rates and bonds uh, time to maturity. A standard yield curve is usually going to be upward sloping, meaning that interest rates will be higher if we take on more risk, more risk by taking on a longer-term bond. So, for example, if we take a short-term bond, maybe we get a 5% uh, interest rate. If we take on a much longer-term bond, maybe we're going to get a 6% interest rate. That would be what would be expected because of the risk factor involved in taking into account the longer-term investment. An inverted yield curve, on the other hand, is a curve in which the short-term rate is higher than the long-term rate. This is going to be an unusual curve. This would be a situation in, in which the shorter term would actually have a, long, a higher interest rate than the longer-term investment. This is important because the standard assumption of monetary policy is based on the assumption that the Fed pushes the short-term rate, the long-term rate will move along with that short-term rate. If this does not happen, this, then investment won't respond to, to the interest rate change as would be expected. There's also debate in terms of how the Fed should come to the decisions that they come to. Should they have a policy that will drive the decision-making process, or should they just respond to the market as best they can as the market conditions come to play because of expectations. We know that the Fed can influence the economy and the expectations about what will influence the economy can have major effects on the economy. And therefore it's thought that we can have better expectations if we have some kind of policy procedures that can be expected and we, we have some groundwork in terms of how we believe the Fed will respond based on, on the conditions in the market.